0: Dude, how are we already at 135 episodes?
1: I know. It feels like just yesterday we were at episode 50 and now we're
0: deep in it. And freaking out. We are knee deep in it. We are in the trenches, guys. We sure are. But happy Wednesday and
1: welcome <laughs> to another episode of Chasing Childhood. My name is Steph. And I'm old. <laughs> just kidding. I'm Lex. And we are a weekly podcast that revisits our favorite childhood movies and video games to see if they still hold up as adults.
0: We hope everyone got to enjoy a long weekend because to us it did not feel long enough at all. No, it went by so fast. Too fast. Um, I spent most of it at the pool and scared away a few people because I haven't seen the sun since my youth and am a literal ghost. Oh, no. <laughs> Them pale legs. They saw some sun. I think I heard a few <laughs> children scream. <laughs> They're like, someone throw Shamu back in the ocean. <laughs> oh, no. They're like, Casper's out here with her legs. <laughs> Literally. Literally. They're like, we
1: found Moby Dick.
0: <laughs> the white whale.
1: <laughs> Stop. <laughs> it was definitely not long enough. This was mine and Tyler's wedding anniversary weekend. So, yes it was. We did a lot of stuff. We went and saw Blink-182 in concert, oh. which was so fun. Though somebody yes. hit our car in the parking garage. Like we came back out what? after the concert and the back of our car was just completely scraped up. Like somebody <gasps> like we were parked on the end of the parking garage like row yeah and we're up on the eighth floor which also means like this person had to have gone up eight levels and then they hit us wow i'm like so either you one you were drunk and you hit other people on the way up or two you're just like insane like how do you make it up eight floors and hit somebody on the end it was wild like there was plenty of room for them to move around us we were fully in the parking spot yeah but no they scraped up the back of our car, so that was awesome. Tyler is incredibly talented and managed to buff out most of it, so mm. it definitely doesn't look as bad as it did when we brought it home, but we were like, okay, great night, minus that yeah. part.
0: <laughs> Literally, nothing says happy anniversary like another bill.
1: Yeah, truly, like going into Baltimore and getting your entire... uh back end scraped up but um yeah so then on our actual anniversary we went and got lunch we did like kind of like a little brunch thing and then we went to the aquarium which was really nice so yeah it was a it was a good weekend overall minus the uh the hit and run
0: (laughs) okay but did you go to the aquarium or did you just go to the pool and see me in the water (laughs) no
1: (laughs) no we went to the national aquarium and we got to see a bunch of sharks and pet jellyfish and stuff and that was fun
0: Oh, cute. I love yeah. that. You guys are so cute. I can't even deal with it. Dings. We have Aww. fun. <laughs> the mom and dad of the pod. You guys are so cute. My birth parents. <laughs> this week, <laughs> this week we are reviewing the Sandlot. It's about time. My clothes are yes. going out of style. <laughs> <laughs> well done. Um, Thank you. Let's get into it. Let's do it. So, The Sandlot is a nineteen ninety three American coming of age sports comedy film, co written, directed, and narrated by David Mickey Evans. Like, he was literally like, "I'll just do it, guys." He said, was "He's like, just I'll do dumb. the whole thing. I'll do everything. <laughs> Don't worry. Hold my beer. I will do
1: literally the whole movie. I'll hold the lights. I'll run the cameras. Yeah. Don't worry." <laughs> It's like
0: a one man performance, like on Truly. stage, but he's just doing everything. I think he might have also played um, Benny the Jet Rodriguez, but you know what? <laughs> so, yeah, he's from f- The First Kid, and he also wrote for the 2004 Mickey Mouse Three Musketeers movie as well. The Sandlot was also co written by Robert Gunter, which is also what I call my dog, and distributed <laughs> by 20th Century Fox.
1: The film stars Tom Geary from the Black Donnellys, Mike Vitar, who actually grew up to be a literal hero as an L.A. firefighter, but he also appeared in D2 The Mighty Ducks, Karen Allen from Raiders of the Lost Ark, Dennis Leary from Ice Age, and the man who really needs no introduction, James Earl Jones, who's Darth Vader, Mufasa from Field of Dreams. Y'all know him if you don't pick up literally
0: any piece of media. Seriously, he's iconic. So the film was released on April 7th, 1993, which means it just celebrated the 30-year anniversary a few months ago.
1: I feel so old because that means I'm
0: 30 this year. <laughs> oh, I'm like, everyone just rewind to the beginning of this when I said I'm old because that's how I feel. Yeah. I literally knelt down yesterday and my knees cracked and I was like, it's happening. Yeah. <laughs> Someone just put me down. So yeah, so celebrated the 30 year anniversary, which is insane. Um, and upon its release, the film earned about 34.3 million dollars on a seven million dollar budget, which is unheard of for a movie. I feel like like yeah. that low. Yeah, that's a really low budget. That means they did wow.
1: a lot of practical stuff instead of uh, dumping yeah. it into you know a lot of set design or a lot of you know yeah or CGI effects and stuff.
0: I mean, I can only assume most of it was for the amazing, unheard of special effects that they used on Hercules the dog. You mean the treats <laughs> that they gave him to perform his stunts? <laughs> no, I mean like the the giant dog suit that they had two guys operating Stop. for the flashback no. scene. I can't. I can't. When you see the giant <laughs> paw come out of nowhere and it's like so hit everything. <laughs> <laughs> That's where the whole budget went, guys. Love it. So The
1: Sandlot initially received generally positive reviews. Popular film critic Roger Ebert even compared the film to a summertime version of A Christmas Story based on the tone and narration. Also, the amazing young cast from this film won a Young Artist Award for Outstanding Youth Ensemble in a Motion Picture. That's awesome.
0: Yeah. Um, So if you haven't seen this film since 1993, or if you have never seen this, you're killing me, Smalls. Okay? (laughs) But here's a plot summary written by Dan Erson from IMDb. Scotty Smalls moves to a new neighborhood with his mom and stepfather and wants to learn to play baseball. Benny Rodriguez, the neighborhood baseball guru, takes him under his wing and he soon becomes part of the local baseball buddies. Oh, they should have named it Baseball Buddies. Yeah, (laughs) they they fall into adventures involving baseball, treehouse sleepovers, the desirous lifeguard at the local pool, the snooty rival Little League team and the traveling fair. Beyond the fence at the back of the sandlot menaces a legendary ball-eating dog called the Beast, and the kids inevitably must deal with him as well. Dun, dun, dun. What a summer. (laughs) I love it. So you ready to get into our fun facts? I am beyond ready because some of these are a lot of fun. Yeah, definitely. All right, guys. So the first fun fact is that the older and younger Benny Rodriguez are played by real life brothers. Pablo Vitar and Mike Vitar. played both versions of Benny. I mean, that
1: makes sense why he looks so identical to yeah. the younger version. Like, I was really impressed with the casting. I was like, wow, because I feel like Benny has very <laughs> specific eyes. Like, his eyes yeah. are so expressive. And he honestly, he just has really pretty eyes. Like, for a dude for a bro when they show the older Benny I was like wow I was like they really got it down to like the eyes yeah. like he looks yeah but they're brothers so that makes sense they literally have the same eyeballs so
0: literally bro chip they literally were so perfect and I loved them so much um, I also thought that the older brother Pablo kind of resembled Freddie Mercury a little bit which is also another reason to love him even more 100% agreed <laughs>
1: So my first fun fact is that in order to establish the close bond between Smalls and Benny, uh, the director had Tom Geary and Mike Vittar meet and rehearse together like several weeks before the rest of the kids showed up to mm. film. And that worked so well that the other kids actually thought that Tom and Mike had been friends for like a long time before the film. And to this day, they're still friends and they keep in touch with each other since the filming of the movie ended.
0: That's so cute.
1: I love that. I love when people actually become genuine friends on sets like this. And yeah. then they, like, go on to live the rest of their lives but are always in touch and always, like, keeping up with each other, you know? Even though one of yeah. them doesn't act anymore. I
0: was about to say, and that's not easy, especially now that Mike Vitar does not, like, he left the, the Hollywood scene. So he doesn't yeah. act anymore.
1: You, like, can't run
0: into each other on
1: sets, can't run in, run yeah. into each other, like, you know, at parties or whatever. It's like... Yeah, You just have to like really commit to being friends with someone.
0: Yeah. And he um, is not even like I watched earlier today. They had a 25 year anniversary special about five years ago for the movie and Mike did not even go. So it's like I feel like he wants nothing to do with Hollywood. So it's super cool that they stayed in contact. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so my next fun fact is a little bit long. The film is inspired by true events from director David Mickey Evans's childhood. When the neighborhood kids wouldn't let his little brother play baseball with them, uh, one day the ball went over the fence and his little brother was like, maybe they'll embrace me if I go get it for them. But instead, he found a very large dog that bit him on the leg. Oh, no. Yeah. So David Mickey Evans Definitely took uh, took some experiences and put them in this movie, which is cool.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's why it feels so real. I feel like it feels believable yeah. because of how much of it's rooted in real life. Definitely. So my last fun fact is that in Benny's dream, Babe Ruth says, I don't know why, but can I have this when he's referring to Hank Aaron's baseball card and Hank Aaron would actually go on to break Babe Ruth's all time home run record. So that's like a super cool little Easter egg they put in there for specifically baseball fans who would get it. And I love that.
0: Yeah, that's so cool. Yeah. And my last fun fact shows that uh, David Mickey Evans is taking, what's it called, taking inspiration from his own life. Didn't really work out that well in all aspects of the movie. So apparently in 1998, Michael... Polydoros, a childhood classmate of David Mickey Evans, sued 20th Century Fox and the producers of the film for defamation due to the character of Michael Squints Palidorus oh. resembling him as a kid. Apparently, people began teasing Polydoros by calling him Squints, leaving him feeling embarrassed and humiliated by the nickname. The case was apparently dismissed two years later. Okay, I'm just going to say
1: normally when we see a lot of these like cases yeah sometimes they're they're worthwhile and sometimes you know we're like okay this is a bit of a stretch yeah michael polydoros versus michael (laughs) palidorus yeah
0: that seems a little
1: close in my Mm -hmm. opinion to be a full like coincidence.
0: Yeah. And I was reading a lot about the case as well. Like there's a lot of articles online about it because apparently it was a big case at the time or something. But apparently Michael Polydoros, not to be confused with Michael Palidoros, um, he... Used to wear really big glasses, and he even wore the same shirt that Squints wears in the movie. Oh, man. And I, like, saw something that said that he wore, like, the same style shirt for two years in a row for, like, his school pictures and stuff, and how um he was, like, kind of nerdy and wanted to play baseball with all the kids, too. Um, so... I I don't know, guys, this one seems kind of on the nose and I'm shocked that it was dismissed. Like this is from
1: our purely speculative third party looking at this in 2023. You know, we'll never know if that's true or not. But yeah, there's just a couple things that maybe are a little questionable.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Like overall, they basically dismissed the case because one, Michael Polydoros didn't really receive any financial hardships. Because of it like that was like Mm -hmm. one of the main things they were like well you didn't lose money you didn't like go into debt because of this like it's mainly just like a mental health thing which I guess is was never seen as that big of a deal back in the day right but they also said that filmmakers are protected under the First Amendment Mm, okay it was something along the lines of like they could use someone's likeness and because they didn't use his Immediate last name. They they didn't use his actual last name. There's really no supporting the case against 20th Century Fox in a way. Yeah, there's so many legal loopholes
1: and studios that are as big as 20th Century Fox. They have so many high-powered lawyers who can just point out every single one. And yeah, that's it's a rough key. That sounds rough. I uh, I, I'm not rooting either way for either one,
0: but just that's interesting. That would make an interesting movie. Yeah. Like in itself, like have someone who was like, I'm not saying that David Mickey Evans was a bully, but like in, in a movie standpoint, it would be cool to see someone like be bullied as a kid, kind of like get over that as an adult. And then all of a sudden, like the bully makes a movie about his childhood and and like, that would be cool to see, I think. Yeah, definitely. Oh my God. Pitch it. Very (laughs) dramatic. so if anyone's listening this is my uh my pitch (laughs) for a baseball movie get it um yeah cool well yeah ready to get into it cool (laughs) (laughs) all right all right that's that seg (laughs) yeah all right so let's get into it when was the last
1: time you saw this Probably when I was between the ages of 10 and 12 at your
0: house. (laughs) I think I saw it once. I have not seen it since. What about you? Wow. I've seen this several times. I really enjoyed this movie growing up. Um, I think the last time I saw it, though, was probably like five years ago. Yeah, I was going to say,
1: I feel like your family watched a lot of The Big Green and The Sandlot. I feel like you guys, like I'd talk to you and you'd be like, oh, we were watching The Sandlot. And I'm like, I feel like you guys watched these a
0: lot as a kid. Of course. I mean, we were so into sports movies growing yeah. up. Like I was into Miracle. I loved The Sandlot. I loved The Big Green. I loved The Mighty Ducks, like even like Happy Gilmore. Like, oh, stuff yeah. Like Happy that. Gilmore is a staple. <laughs> the best, like Space Jam, everything that had sports in it. I was mm-hmm. like a huge fan of. And even totally. today, I love sports movies. But yeah, I saw this probably about five years ago. And honestly, there was a lot of it that I didn't remember. Really? Yeah. Like, I completely forgot that it starts off with them as adults. Um, and it ends like that as well. And I'm like, I feel like that was something really big to overlook as a kid. But I completely yeah. forgot about it. Yeah, same.
1: No, I, there's a lot of this movie that I genuinely did not recall at all. Like, yeah. I, there's some lines in it, obviously. You know, you're killing me, smalls is the, yeah. probably the most famous line from this. You know, there's gifs from this that go around the internet, especially of Ham, you know, blowing kisses to all the girls on yeah. the pool deck, or, you know, Squints making out with a lifeguard. Like, there's certain things that. Stick with you, but most of this movie, I completely forgot about. Like a lot of the Mm. plot, a lot of the big beats, I totally just like blanked on, and it felt a lot like watching this for the first
0: time. Um, Steph, quick question. Yeah. Did you say GIF?
1: Yeah, GIF.
0: Do you call it GIF or is it JIF? I call it GIF. (gasps) Steph, I'm a jiffer
1: I know you are, and every time you say it, I have to hold
0: my tongue (laughs) and Uh, not say GIF, Steph. How can we get past this? You, you're a giffer. I'm a giffer, Apparently, the
1: original creator of it says GIF, but the internet, as like a collective, says gif. We so, have to break up. You know, it's been a really great ride with you, and I'm so glad we did the <laughs> podcast. I'm sorry it had Listen, to come to this.
0: <laughs> all I have to say is the rules of grammar and English. It's like giraffe, not giraffe. Okay, if it's followed by a vowel, it is j. Ju- Except for the word get. (laughs) (laughs) I've had enough of you.
1: (laughs) No, it's, uh, yeah, you know, linguistics. They're all different. It's definitely Jif,
0: but it's okay. I'll forgive you this once. (laughs) I love when you think things that are wrong. (laughs) I'm glad you have an opinion, even when it's wrong. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, (laughs) So let's get into our... (laughs) We're never going to get over this, guys. I know. Half of that is just me trying to get over the audacity, and half of it is me trying to breathe because I went for a walk today. And the pollen is so bad up here that it literally looks like it's snowing. Oh, gross. It's so bad. It's disgusting. I hate that. So, yeah. So I really enjoyed this movie. Just overall, I thought it was so much fun. Um, One thing I never paid attention to at all when I was a kid and actually was shocked to see during the rewatch was I never paid attention to the time period that this was set in.
1: Yeah, I was surprised because when it started, I really thought that this just took place in 1993, like, yeah, when the movie was made. And they're like, no, it's 19 early, like 1960s. And I was like, what? I don't know. I guess, like, like, thinking back now, you know, their house and the mom's outfits were kind of 1960s-ish. But, like, the boys' outfits, I just feel like men's fashion has not changed in a very long time. Like, you could go outside right now and see boys wearing the exact same outfits that they were wearing in this movie.
0: Yep. And I loved it. I thought that it was really cool that the time period didn't really affect any of the storyline right um like they kind of the story was the main focal point but then it just happened to be set in the 60s so like um I feel like that probably came more in handy when they brought up like Babe Ruth and how big Babe Ruth was and the part where they're where Benny's getting chased by the dog and they run through like the movie theater and stuff like it definitely aided in that part yeah the old cars and stuff that they pass Yeah. yeah exactly but I did definitely love that the story took the forefront of everything.
1: Yeah, no, I agree. It was such a cute coming-of-age story. I wasn't expecting oh gosh, yes. how cute the plot was going to be. Like, yeah. It kind of felt obvious that like eventually they're going to have to discover what's on the other side of the wall where the beast is and, you know, face that at some point. I mean, they kind of they foreshadow it throughout the whole movie. Right. Like Mm -hmm. the dog rattling the fence, the balls going over, you know, all of them like telling scary stories about the dog. Like, you know that they're not just doing that for no reason. Like it's going to come up again. And then obviously, you know, the foreshadowing of the dad's baseball. Like, I kind of picked up where the movie was going to go pretty early on. Yeah. But it was
0: still so cute. Like, it was so well done. Yeah. And I love how much different stuff happens as well. Like, yeah, um, in the plot summary, it mentioned a bunch of stuff. But, I mean, they're not just playing baseball. They're also going to the carnival. They're going to the pool together. Like, it's literally this whole summer with this group of kids just, like, Growing up together and having fun Um, and like Benny lived for baseball, but the rest of them were just out there for fun and just to have a blast and spend time together, Um, which I thought was really cool and a lot of fun because that's like what you did back in the day.
1: Yeah, I was going to say I agree with that because. It felt very much like it hit all the points that you want a summer movie to hit, right? Yeah. You have a movie theater, you have the pool, you have sweltering hot days, you've got the 4th of July, you've got, you know, carnivals and being silly with your friends and sneaking Mm -hmm. into places and all the wacky adventures that you get up to as a kid. And I think it's really nice that we've had several movies now in a row that are about like summer vacation and just summer as we, you know, approach summer now. Right. And- I think that this really like you said hit like a lot of points where like you just feel like you're with them like going through Mm -hmm. the summer of growing up and having these adventures and I don't know it made me kind of nostalgic for being a kid in a lot of ways of like the ways that I remember summer and how every day felt endless and you might do the same thing every single day for a week but somehow each day felt like a totally new adventure and yeah I don't know I I felt like a lot of nostalgia with this movie like it yeah. really sparked a lot of that which I think I've kind of missed in some of the movies that we've watched where I'm like yeah. this is really cute and I remember watching it as a kid but it doesn't spark nostalgia of my own memories kind of the way that this did
0: definitely this there's something definitely very special about this movie um and Like you said, I can't really put my finger on it, but it really just takes you back. And it just, I mean, was there anything that you would have done for that long? Because these kids stayed out from 8 a.m. until sundown. Like, I remember being a kid, like, back in the day during the summertime. And, like, when we were staying, when my mom would babysit you and, and Michael, we would, like, hang out outside with the neighbors. And we would just run around all day. But we, I don't think we ever stayed out that long.
1: No, no, because I always got picked up by the time my parents got off work. Yeah. But, like, thinking about things that I did outside until very late, like, I remember riding scooters, mm. I remember doing sidewalk chalk, I remember, you know, playing hide-and-seek, or just running around or exploring with friends. That was usually the stuff that kept me out super late, or just playing, like, flashlight tag in the dark, you know, it's just... Yeah. Or, like, catching fireflies, you know, it's just stuff like that that you... Don't remember, I think, as you get older and you become an adult, and you're like, oh man, it's getting dark. Gotta go inside and do my crosswords and go to bed. (laughs) Like all that. But like (laughs) when you're a kid, there's just so many things. Gotta plan for retirement. Yeah, you know, I gotta check my 401k. But when you're a kid, there's just so many (laughs) things that you can do. And again, the possibilities seem endless. And this movie, I feel like, really touched on. All the super fun things like I remember going to the pool all the time when we were little like you and me like we would be at the pool and we'd play on the playground and we'd run around and there's just a lot of again points in this that you really feel like it's summertime like you feel like you are in it like you are back in my day.
0: Yeah, yeah,
1: like the day when they're all like eating popsicles and hiding under you know the overhang and they're like it's 150 degrees outside (laughs) and they're like sweltering and just dying and it's like I remember those days of like trying to sit on a porch or under shade and being like oh it's so hot and like not shady enough (laughs) yeah eating icies and like you know those those popsicle stick things that like you'd have to break you know freezy pops that's that's the one and you know eating those and yeah, it just, like I said, it all felt very visceral, and I know it's supposed to take place in the 1960s, but I feel like for a lot of people, especially who grew up in, like, the 90s and maybe very early 2000s, mm-hmm. it still kind of rings true for us because we weren't definitely. quite at that
0: age where, like, everything was taken over by screen time, you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, definitely. Um, We still definitely spent most of our childhood outside. Right. You just reminded me of a very important question that I need to ask you. Please do. What was your order at the ice cream truck? Like if an ice cream
1: truck pulled up, what was your go-to? Oh, that's a great question. Cause I only really got to be around ice cream trucks when I was at your house or mm. like at the beach.
0: Cause obviously, like my family lived in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. So true. we didn't get ice cream trucks. True. Maybe that's why I like cried every time I spent the night at your house. Cause I thought I was gonna get kidnapped by. Yeah. Like, there's no Big ice foot. cream trucks. And there's no ice cream trucks. <laughs>
1: that was my dream and your fear (laughs) you know what you're right
0: you're right it was like there's no ice cream trucks and then it was being kidnapped in the middle of the night that's where my fear came from I'm sorry you were correct I love it um but I think I always used to
1: get like some type of version of like a Klondike bar or something with chocolate or I would get what are they uh the the rocket ship ones the ones that were like red white and blue
0: I would get those (gasps) Ooh. Yeah, I like What that. about you? I would get the two-ball screwball. Oh, yeah. I forgot about those. Like every single time. Because it had gum at the bottom, yeah. too. So it was, like, the best of both worlds. It was, like, Hannah Montana.
1: I always loved when my brother would get the SpongeBob and his eyes were, like, looking in two yeah. different directions.
0: <laughs> you know what's crazy? I had never had a SpongeBob one until probably about a week ago. I was at the gas station and I just saw... That they had ice cream there. And I was like, you know what? I've never had a SpongeBob um, Popsicle. Let me try it. And so I tried it and I was like, I was expecting more. I feel like as a kid, it's so sweet and like so good. As an adult, it was a lot. It was so sugary. It's so sugary. When you're an
1: adult and you can actually tell how much sugar is in something when you're eating it, you don't feel great.
0: (laughs) Yeah. But I will say... My, I went from two ball screwball to like growing up and and wanting chip witches now. Like the the cookie sandwiches with the ice cream in the middle, those are banging. Nothing
1: wrong with that. Nothing wrong with it. We actually made cookies here and then we have vanilla ice cream and we made our own. Stop it. It was sublime.
0: Cannot recommend harder. All right, so this was our second film in a row about kids enjoying summer and being kids. Did you connect more with the kids from The Sandlot or the kids from Recess? The kids from The
1: Sandlot, I think. Like I, I remember enjoying Recess. This is kind. This kind of goes back to what I said about like. Things that are nostalgic because I remember watching yeah. them in summer, and things that are nostalgic because they remind me of summer. Yeah. Right. Whereas, like, right. recess, I remember watching that when it came out. I think I even watched it in the theaters or like the first time mm. it came to TV. I yeah. distinctly remember when that came out, but that gives me nostalgia of watching recess as a child. Yeah. Whereas, this again feels like. I don't necessarily remember exactly when I watched this at your house as a kid, but it absolutely resonates with things that I did as a kid during summertime. Yeah. Yeah. And you're a huge fan of baseball in general. So that's like, that helps too. Yeah. My family are big baseball people. So that also kind of, a lot of that resonated. I mean, obviously we watched Field of
0: Dreams like constantly Mm -hmm. as a kid. Yes. (laughs) Yes. Um, I completely agree. I I definitely resonate with the people from um the Sandlot more just because it also I feel like had that like team dynamic in a way where like you meet some some kids and at first it's kind of awkward and like that's how it is when you first like join a team or you first like go to an area or meet someone for the first time. Yeah. Um, so I loved how they kind of showed how Smalls had he was like awkward at first and then all of a sudden like they were all super close and like that's kind of how it was as kids and I loved how they touched on that a little bit as well and I don't I just I really loved how they all just like ran around together. I definitely um, feel like that was very similar to us as kids running around with our neighbors and yeah I mean I can't say enough good things about this movie. I love that it showed kids who play For fun, kids who play because it's like what they live and breathe. And then you have like adults as well. Like it shows their standpoint, too. I don't know. I just I really enjoyed this movie. Who was your favorite character? Oh, great question. I really love Benny.
1: I thought that he was such a fun character and such an interesting character because I think he could have either one been, like, the idolized, you know, guy on the team who, you know, they said Ben lives for baseball, you know, this is all Mm -hmm. he wants, and they keep hyping him up as the best person on their little team, and I think it would have been really easy to, like, make him this character that's, like, almost not human. You know what I mean? Like he's so good at everything and they idolize him. And then Benny goes on as like this figment of, you know, the world where he's just, yes, he plays professional baseball as an adult. And he just like remains this almost like fantastical figure. And instead they took a very different route where they showed Benny like being frustrated or being afraid or, you know, having doubts about things. And I thought that that was an awesome way to humanize him. Yeah. And make him a character that you could also relate to and you could feel something for. And he wasn't just like this hero that was like put on a pedestal. He was just another one of the kids, but he was just like a smidge older and clearly had like different dreams and was much more dedicated. And I don't know, I, I liked a lot how they They just made him a person instead of, you know, this figment. And yeah, that just really stuck with me because I feel like a lot of movies fall into the trap where the leader of the group isn't actually like a fully well-rounded character.
0: So, yeah. And two quick things about Benny. Number one, I love that as an adult, when Smalls is announcing his game in the majors, Um, how Benny like gives him a thumbs up like it just shows that he's still humble he's still down to earth and they still care about each other even though he's like this big star now um and second of all Benjamin Franklin Rodriguez I love it say your parents don't love you without saying your parents don't love you okay no I
1: love it Ben Franklin was a
0: cool guy (laughs) (laughs) um no I'm just kidding but I will say Benny was one of my first crushes ever it was like all about him and Shoeless Joe when I was younger. Oh, a hundred percent. He was such a cutie, adorable. And I'm like rewatching this movie, and I'm like, okay, I get it. You know, yeah, what I, mean? I get like, it. I understand. Yeah, like he was adorable. But one thing that I really loved about this movie was how oblivious Small was to everything. <laughs> Truly everything. <laughs> what on earth was going on? First of all, I love that his mom was like do anything like please get out get of this house <laughs> just leave like she was like please do something like just go get out do something like stop playing with your with your uh, magnets and stuff like your magnetiles. tiles get out of the house I loved that and I I just I felt so bad for him like how do you not know what s'mores are he had the most aggressive brim on his baseball hat when he first was went out So there. aggressive why was it so long <laughs> <laughs> like he shows up in like cargo pants and a button-down shirt and oh uh, I just feel so bad for him at first and then like the whole Babe Ruth thing where he was like he took the ball from his stepdad's room and he was like um some lady signed it baby Ruth I was like (laughs) oh my gosh this poor kid like I felt so bad for him because he just wanted to fit in and he just knew nothing about anything that these kids were about but I did love that they like they kind of picked on him on him at first because they were like this kid's kind of strange like and I get it because from an outside view I was like he's kind of just standing in the outfield like When they first meet him, he just kind of stands in the outfield with a glove on and he just kind of like hides behind the bushes a little bit. I'm like, you're not going to go up and like say hi or anything. You're just going to stand in the outfield. But I love that they warmed up to him so quickly. And even by like, I think it was like the second day when he tried to go over the fence, they were like, no, Um, like already kind of protective over him.
1: That was wild. That was the only part that confused me because... Mm. When Smalls first comes to the field, he hears the dog on the other side and he's afraid of it. Mm. And yeah. there's like repeated moments where he gets afraid of the sound of the dog or trying to retrieve a ball. And then like yeah. that second day, he's like, oh, I'm just going to climb the fence. And I'm like, <laughs> did you not remember all the other days that you were yeah. or like different times that you were there? And the dog was scaring you and making sounds and shaking the fence. And that was the only part where I was like, I feel like this is a slight plot hole where like Mm. it's a little confusing. Like he knows that there's something scary on the other side. We had multiple shots now of him being afraid of the fence, but then he's going to climb the fence and he's like, why are you guys pulling me down? What's wrong? And I'm like, yeah. Weren't you afraid? Like, it would not, if I was afraid of a fence, it wouldn't cross my mind to, you know, hop it as a child. I'd be like, (laughs) there's something scary over there. Like, should I go and get it? Right. That was the only part that I was like, I don't think that that makes, like, sense continuity wise, you know? Yeah. But I mean, it was fine. Like, I get that they're trying to build up that there's something on the other side of the fence and we're supposed to be afraid of it. But that was the only part where I was like, that doesn't make a lot of sense. (laughs) That's true.
0: Yeah, I didn't think about it like that, but you have a point. I honestly didn't even notice. They got Jaws on the other side of the fence eating all these balls. Yeah, truly. I mean, like, if
1: that out of the whole movie is, like, my only real complaint, you know, it's not a bad movie. so.
0: (laughs) So true. Um. So my favorite character in this was Porter. I thought he was so funny. His comebacks were like A1. They were hilarious. (laughs) He was so funny. Uh, Like when he was like, do you think I have a chance with your sister? That's three are out. (laughs) Like just so
1: funny. (laughs) Or like
0: one of my favorite scenes in the whole movie is when Porter hits a home run when they're in the sandlot, he hits Mm -hmm. a home run and he's rounding the bases. And instead of congratulating him, they're all beating the crap out of him because they can't (laughs) play anymore. It's so
1: funny. They're all throwing their gloves at him. I love that he becomes the great Hambino. (laughs)
0: It's so funny (laughs) to me. It's so great. Um, And then this movie, I feel like It's so, it's so well done. Like, I love how they're all like, we need to camp out. And so they all go into the treehouse overnight and they're trying to figure out like how to, how to get the ball back. And they get this whole like ghost story from, um, from squints about the dog and how it has to be locked up forever. And like all this, they're just so dramatic. I love how they have like candles. They have s'mores. They're so cute. I also remember doing
1: ghost stories as a kid. Like, mm-hmm. I remember specifically your sisters were really good at telling ghost stories and they scared the poop out of me as a child about yeah, trick or worst. treating and all kinds of stuff. Jackie, especially, is for all y'all know, Jackie, she is really good at telling a ghost story and she scared the crap she out of me my as a life. child she was real good at spooking and yeah no I remember being so scared and like that's just something you would do with sleepovers or hangouts like you would tell scary stories to try to freak each other out and who's the biggest chicken and yeah it's just again it's like stuff like that where it's like just these little things that they put in the movie that you just remember like even being at camp and telling scary stories in your tent with a flashlight you know it's yeah it's it's just cool stuff like that so yeah I don't know it it, it was like another little detail that I was like oh, of course you did because right. it's summertime and you're at a sleepover <laughs> of course you're telling scary stories.
0: Thanks for bringing it up Steph I had just gotten <laughs> over the scary stories she told me when I was younger <laughs> this actually just came up yesterday because Nikki was vacuuming the house and I was like hey Nikki hey just a quick question do you remember when you and Jackie made me terrified of a vacuum for five years because you told me I had an older brother that got Sucked up by the vacuum. Yes, and they had vacuumed him up. Yes. (laughs) I was
1: just thinking about that the other day when she had told us that there was, yeah, that your older brother got sucked up in a vacuum and we had to be careful because we'd get sucked up in a vacuum. Or the time that we were in a jacuzzi and she told us that there were sharks in the jacuzzi.
0: (laughs) When there clearly were not sharks. It was clearly her own
1: foot like (laughs) touching us, but she's like, that's the shark.
0: (laughs) But oh, yeah, I asked God. Nikki I about that, that, that yesterday. I was like, do you remember that? No? Okay. <laughs> no?
1: You know, remember oh, how you traumatized sniffling. us? <laughs> there was also, I like, remember okay. a story that Jackie told us about a witch who like ate kids in her basement. And that was like one of the scariest stories as a child. She's just been watching Hocus Pocus too much. Oh, absolutely. Now, as an adult, I have so many questions. But as a child, <laughs> I was like, I can't knock on anyone's house because they're going to invite me in and then bring me down to the basement and eat me. <laughs> Oh, Steph's like
0: Jackie. Why couldn't you have used your powers for good instead of evil? Listen again. Excellent storyteller. I believed her. Ten out of ten. We could be millionaires right now if she would have just put her powers to good use. But yeah, did you do anything like how Small stole his uh stole his dad's baseball or his stepdad's baseball and like lost it? Did you do anything like that when you were a kid and get in trouble for it? Yeah, I stole my mom's class ring and
1: (gasps) used it as a crown on one of my Polly Pockets. And (laughs) which is like such a wild sentence to put together. But yeah, I put it as a crown on one of my Polly Pockets and then I lost it. I had like this bag of Barbies and Polly Pockets and I Mm. lost it somewhere in that bag. And then when I gave the bag away, I think I've said this before on the pod, but I gave the bag away to this girl I used to be friends with her little sister not remembering that somewhere in that bag was the class ring and so oh. my mom's class ring is probably
0: in a landfill somewhere. oh my god! and I'm,
1: pre- I'm pretty sure she's forgotten about it at this point <laughs> but I'm sure now listening to the podcast she's remembering that I lost that <laughs> ring <laughs> Sorry, Mom. (laughs) I just really wanted to put a crown
0: on my Polly pocket. (laughs) That's the closest I had. In your defense, I bet your Polly looked fabulous, okay? She really did. She looked so good.
1: (laughs) I mean, Mom, you can have my class ring if you want it. (laughs) You're like, I don't even know
0: where that one is either. I honestly don't know where that one is either. (laughs) Secretly, Somewhere your my mom room. has Polly Pockets, and she she probably... as a crown, <laughs> <laughs> like a voodoo doll Polly Pocket of me, but it's wearing the crown. <laughs> She's like payback is sweet. So sorry, um, revenge is awesome. But yeah, I don't think I ever did anything like that. It's funny because I always hear these stories online about like kids giving their mom's wedding ring to their like their significant others at like five years old and stuff. Oh, gosh. No, I never did that. I don't remember ever doing that. I knew the wedding rings and stuff were important.
1: Yeah. Yeah. There were certain things that I knew like I couldn't touch and were important. This one for some reason, I was just like, yeah, this is going to (laughs) work.
0: (laughs) you're like well i can't use my rings they're not real enough
1: (laughs) well like my rings were like tiny and for my little child baby hands so like they weren't gonna (laughs) fit on my Polly pockets head
0: (laughs) i love it um i think maybe i wore like my mom's i feel like most of the stuff i took was like my sister's Yeah, of course. Because, of course. I mean, we all, like, shared... There was one point in my life where we all wore the same size shirts and stuff. So, like, (laughs) it was one of those things where we would go into the room and be like, oh, hey, I like your shirt. Is that my shirt? Is that my shirt? No. (laughs) No? Get out of my room. I saw this tweet this one time that was,
1: like, the epitome of having sisters, which is, like, Mm -hmm. how dare my sister come into
0: my room and steal back the shirt that I stole from her? Like... (laughs) That's so true. Um oh my gosh. But sorry guys, going back to the sandlot. Yes. One of my other favorite parts in this movie is when they're at the carnival and yeah. they try tobacco for the first time. Ooh, I never did that Ugh. not once. And I'm just going to say guys, like I hate throw up in movies. I hate when people like projectile vomit. It's disgusting and it makes me want to vomit. But this was so funny. I thought it was hilarious because the kids did such a good job at like starting off so happy, so excited as they're spinning around. And then all of a sudden you see their faces just change. And it is the funniest thing. Yeah. (laughs) And apparently, like I was reading through some of the fun facts, they said that a lot of the kids actually did get sick, like not in the takes that they used but on the side because they actually had to ride for a long time and apparently what right. they used for like tobacco was actually i think they said bacon and oh. licorice like mixed ugh. together gross gross and so like oh imagine having that in your mouth and then spinning around on a ride for hours on end oh my God. i gosh. would actually vomit actually like i yeah. would genuinely vomit yeah i thought it was horrible One of the major things I loved about this movie, too, was the soundtrack.
1: Yeah, it was such a good, like, I don't know, it it felt very 60s, right? Like, they used a lot of 60s songs, and it felt like that kind of dated it and kept it in the time period. But they were bops. I was living. But they were,
0: like, super popular songs. Like, they had tequila. They had, um, Mm -hmm. like, the wipe out, that one. Yeah, so some of them I'm like, like Tequila especially. I don't think Tequila was a song in the 60s. I think that's a 90s that. song. You don't know about their lives. I don't know that. Let me see when Tequila <laughs> came out, guys. Hold on. Please hold. Do you want me to sing it while you're while you're Googling? I'm your hold music, guys. Wow. It was released in
1: 1958. <gasps> They loved Tequila even
0: back then.
1: That's wild. I definitely thought that song was released like much later than that.
0: (laughs) Mm. No, but like the second this magic moment came on and I heard Benny King's voice, I was like, yes. Any movie with Benny King and the Drifters is a bop in my book. So good. So good. Honestly, like rewatching this movie made me buy the vinyl, like Benny King's vinyl. um, Oh, love that. A few years ago. Like such. An amazing voice. Another thing to note is, can we just get into the dog? Because. He's so cute. Put some respect on my man's name. He literally, Hercules walked so that Air Bud could run.
1: I don't even understand. Like, I don't think Hercules was an aggressive dog. Maybe that's like the whole point of the movie. And yeah. I'm just stating the obvious. But he was not an aggressive dog. He was just like, hey, you're in my territory and you took my baseball. Like. Literally. He's trying to play. Like. It's very clear he he's just, just not catch. He's just not an aggressive boy. He's just like, hey, just being a dog, you know, like, sorry, when you come <laughs> up to a dog's fence and they think that you're encroaching on their territory, they're going to bark at you. <laughs> yeah. But that doesn't mean they're aggressive. They're just like excited. I don't know. Yeah. I was like, this feels like a lot. And also, what was up with them showing, like, the giant paws for, like, (laughs) grabbing the baseball? But then you see the dog, and he's just, like, a normal large Mastiff. Like I lived for it. He had, like, frying pan-sized paws. And then you see him, and you're like, this is just a dog.
0: (laughs) This part where... The part where um they try to fling the ball back over the fence and he jumps up like jaws and he's clearly mm-hmm. like fifty feet wide and his head is so massive. I I loved every single time they did that. Every single time it was hilarious to me, or like when they showed him in the flashback where it was like, um, you need to tie him up forever, like in the black and white scene. It was so clearly not a real dog. It was hilarious. Yeah. It was I love so how funny. they almost made it like Godzilla or like the attack of the, I don't even know. Like It was so funny to watch. And um, I feel like we find out who let the dogs out in, in this movie because it's clearly Benny and, and Smalls. But when he gets smushed by the fence, I was like, oh, my heart. And then they saved him. Yeah, it just I like again, boy. it's that scene that made me be like he's not a mean dog. He's just a yeah. baby. It just reminded me of like I forget who it was. I think it was a comedian and he was like talking about animals in a zoo. Like I think it was like a tiger in a zoo or something and they were like um they're just waiting for the day where someone's finally going to climb over the fence or something. Um so I could just imagine Hercules being like I'm just waiting for the day just waiting for someone to climb over and try to get the ball back. Um, I feel like he was having fun. Yeah. Like, like I said, I think he thought that it was a game. Like he,
1: (laughs) again, it's like just the dog stuff is going to be my only gripe with this movie is that none Mm. of it made sense. Like he clearly just wants to play ball, but then they put the like metal thing and then they had the dog throw the metal like bar out and it's
0: all bent and messed up. And I'm like, why? (laughs) Yeah, I mean, the dog's just trying to live his life. and He's, he's just, just trying like, to play. He's like, get your garbage out of here. Why are you cluttering up my, my yard? Yeah, he's like, excuse you.
1: I made this <laughs> yard so clean and y'all just be throwing baseballs and metal poles yeah. and children over this fence. <laughs> and children.
0: <laughs> he's like, I'm just having to, I'm trying to have a nice day and y'all just keep sending stuff over my way. I'm trying to have tea time. I thought it was so cute how they like picked the fence up off of him. And then he's like, wait, guys, let me show you my collection of balls. I was like, oh, this is the sweetest thing I've ever seen. They were so cute. And then our man's James Earl Jones comes in. Ain't nobody slapping like Jamis. okay? like I just love him. I feel like he was
1: just such a good little like tie up at the end. Yeah. And I just he like has such gravitas in every scene and like he just makes every scene feel comfortable and he makes everybody else in the scene look good. Like the kids were already great actors, but in that scene with him, he just gives so much in his scenes that you can play off it. And he's just I don't know. You could just tell, I think, from watching him that he's such like a, a giving scene partner and offers you so much to work with and is so fluid with everything that
0: happens and mm-hmm. ugh, I just love him I love him so much he's amazing I loved his character in this too I loved that mm-hmm. um I thought it was such a funny like misdirect in a way where they're like oh no this is the guy that owns the dog he's really scary like and then he comes out and he's blind and it turns out he actually played with Babe Ruth and like you find out all this cruel like this cool stuff about him and he's nice enough to give them the baseball and save Smalls's butt and it just yeah such a fun character and I also love that it kind of showed the dynamic between like the kids and him because I mean, the kids are playing for fun. They're playing during the summertime and he like actually played, but lost everything because of an accident, you know? And it was like, so such a different twist. And I honestly forgot his significance in this movie um, before the rewatch today. And I was like, he was such a joy to see. And I loved his character. Yeah, no, I totally agree. The only other thing that I have to say about this movie is that, like, the part where they are trying to get the ball back from Hercules is the cutest thing ever. I loved how they all left the treehouse when they could have literally just turned off the vacuums. Like, yeah. It was it was not that hard. It was not that difficult. But, you know, when you're kids. Seriously. <laughs> um, I also thought it was funny how, like squints and um the lifeguard lady end up getting married in the end after he's like fawning over her the entire movie. Mm-hmm. I thought that was like a cute touch how they end up getting married and they have like nine kids or something like that. Um right. I was like my man squints. Like punching above his weight class, but it was so Truly. cute. Um but yeah, I thought that this whole movie was so much fun to watch. And honestly, I don't know, I feel like it would kind of be boring for kids um, like younger than seven or eight, but it's just, it just gets better with age. And I don't know if it like, if it's because like as an adult, you have more of an appreciation for what it was like to be a kid. Like as a kid, you watch this and you're like, Oh, okay. Like this looks like fun or whatever. But as an adult, you're like, Oh, I remember like literally what we're doing today. Right. But it just, it's so good. And it's really is timeless in my opinion.
1: Yeah, no, I totally agree and I also agree that it's better for older kids. It's also good again if you have kids that have these experiences yeah. because I think if you're if you're showing this to kids who like never went to the pool or never spent summers with other kids or rode bikes yeah. or did, you know, whatever, it, I think it'd be harder for them to sort of relate to this movie in a lot of ways, you know, because even if you don't play baseball, even if you're not into baseball, there's still a lot of elements of this that resonate if you have done these things. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's also sort of a, a a caveat, right? Like you could show it to a kid, but they might not be super into it if they've never yeah. if they have nothing to relate to in the movie, you know? Yeah. So I think that is also sort of a, a catch with it. But some kids also just really like baseball movies and sports movies, True. like you said before. So
0: Definitely. And honestly, the only thing that I probably would have changed about this movie is maybe shown the mom more or yeah. shown um his relationship with the stepdad a little bit more. Um, yeah, totally but agree. even then, like even then, though, it's not really that important because that's not the focus of the movie. Um, right. So like I get why they kind of kept them at bay a little bit. But other than yeah, that, totally. Other than that, I have nothing else to say about this movie. It was such a fun time. Such a good time. All right. Ready to get into our critic ratings? Yeah. So The Sandlot received a 7.8 out of 10 on IMDb. Too low. (coughs) A 65% critic rating on Rotten Tomatoes. Bull. (coughs) Um, An 89% audience score on Rotten Tomatoes. And four out of five stars on Common Sense Media. We can rate The Sandlot on a scale from A-plus to F-minus. A-plus means this
1: film is a home run. It's iconic, timeless, and I could rewatch this film forever. (laughs) F-minus meaning this film is overrated garbage. It's hard to watch. And in regards to the plot, this film strikes out. Lex,
0: based on this rating scale, what would you rate The Sandlot? This movie gets an A for me. I love this movie. I think it's amazing. I'm not going to give it an A plus just because I haven't seen it in a while and I probably won't turn to this anytime soon again, but I thought it was so good. It definitely holds up. What about you? Yeah, I'm
1: definitely giving this one an A as
0: well. I,
1: like you said, I don't think I'm going to watch it anytime soon yeah. again, just because there's a ton of other things I want to watch. But I would happily watch this again, and I would totally turn to this as a sports movie if I was just in the mood to watch a sports movie. Yeah. So,
0: big fan,
1: gives all the vibes, I'm giving it an A. Perfect. So
0: thank you everyone for listening. If you don't already go make sure to give us a follow on social media. We can be found on Instagram and TikTok at Chasing Childhood Podcast and on Facebook at Just Chasing Childhood. Go give us a rating. Yes, do it. We literally received like one rating in the last six months, guys. (laughs) Please, please go give us a rating. If you love us, if you hate us, if you've listened to our the last unicorn episode and you live in an underground bunker in alabama and that's your favorite movie please do not leave us a rating um, you know who you are you know who you are um it's so funny we received like one rating after that review came out and it was like it was actually pretty genius because the title said failing childhood and we're chasing childhood so i actually laughed at that but um hilarious definitely go give us a rating guys thanks so much guys we'll see you next week Thank you. Have a
1: good one. Bye.